0: NCEA is proud to announce the launch of NCEA Rise, the new and revised family of NCEA religious education and community assessments. NCEA believes that faith is born and nurtured in community, and we can help you measure it. Find out more at
1: www.ncearise.org. Blessings for all you do for all those you serve. welcome to the ncea podcast today's podcast is brought to you by hallo a corporate partner of ncea you can learn more about their offerings at hallo.com backslash hallo-4-ncea or by downloading their app in the app store our guest today is ashley lens hallo's kids content lead thank you for joining me today ashley
0: Thanks so much for having me. I usually sit in a room by myself and write all day,
1: so it's a joy to talk to another grown-up. Yes, I, I have a similar situation where I am. So, um, you know, benefits of benefits are working remote and being able to do all of these awesome things that we do. But one of the downsides is, you know, we are in our own little silos sometimes, right. um, and so it is always nice when we get together to record these podcasts or have these types of um, education conversations. Yeah. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, what brought you to Hello?
0: Sure. Yeah. So I am um, a convert to the faith, which I can talk about a little bit more. Um, but I went off to study English and theology at Notre Dame. And while I was there, really fell in love with the ACE program. And so I became um, a teaching fellow with ACE after I graduated, teaching uh, originally English and religion to middle schoolers. Uh, before moving on to sort of teaching high school theology, which is what I really fell in love with doing. Um, loved being in the classroom, loved working with teenagers, especially given my own conversion as a teenager. And then I got tapped by someone at Hallow to ask if I would come on board to help develop their children's content. And it was a, a crisis of identity, the thought of stepping out of the classroom, even if it's only for a season. And. Um, and yeah, it's just been such a joy and a challenge to come onto the Hallow team and think about how we can help parents and teachers and kiddos just really around the world learn to pray. Yeah, I think
1: that's wonderful. I also am a convert later in life. Um, so so I, I relate to you a little bit on that sense. Um, but I think it's wonderful that you're here. And it's such an important topic to be discussing um, with our Catholic schools. I know you want to talk a little bit about the pedagogy of prayer. Um, and One of the things I often remember teaching littles um, in the classroom is we always had that expectation, that standard to make sure we taught the prayer. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I went through my own conversion in faith um, that I realized why. And oftentimes we don't talk about the why, we just kind of make sure that we're getting it done as a part of the religion standards and expectations of our families. Um, And even thinking back to when I was teaching eighth grade, having those eighth graders go through like a a formal mass or a teaching mass. Mm -hmm. So that they understand the why of what's going on in each of those things. It's such an important concept and often can be overlooked in some of our classrooms. So um, I'm really excited to be here chatting with you today. Um, But go ahead and give us a little bit of a uh, brief background on, you know, your story of converting and then as a theology teacher and, you know, your thoughts on just the general, the pedagogy of prayer. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: I first I just want to say I empathize so much with the challenges of it is a standard that we're supposed to pray every day and there's a kid asking for a bathroom pass and you need to get the attendance in and life is just crazy and so yeah, it just we have so much on our plates as teachers um and prayer is just sometimes so hard to fit into that that schedule and that day. Um so my own background, I grew up in a family that was not Catholic. I didn't really set foot in a church. I saw them from the outside and thought that they were really pretty. Uh, And through just sort of, I guess, the grace of God ultimately, um, which is a weird way to to enter into the the beginning of this story. So my public elementary school had a problem with mold um, just growing all over. This is small town Pennsylvania. They didn't really have the funds to fix it. And my older brother has really bad asthma. And so he really could not be in the school building without having an asthma attack from the mold. So my parents who were not Catholic, not Christian, not really interested in religion, really felt that their only other choice was the local Catholic school down the street. So they pulled us out of public school, enrolled us halfway through my third grade year into Catholic school, and I remember my dad said, "Don't come home talking any of that holy roller nonsense." Uh, which joke was on him because I, as little eighth grade or uh, eight-year-old Ashley, walked into John F. Kennedy Catholic School, and I saw the colorful "We Believe" textbook in a religion classroom, and immediately was just taken. I just fell in love with the faith. I would sit in the church for school mass and just really desired the Eucharist, really desire to participate in the sacraments. It took me a few years to work up the courage to go to my very anti-Catholic parents and say that I wanted to be baptized, that I wanted to join the church. Um, but ultimately, in seventh grade, I entered the church at Easter Vigil. And in fact, my dad was standing next to me, baptized alongside me. So somewhere along the way, he also was brought into the faith um, and that story is just so central to my my journey of faith. And what I love partly about it is just how central the role of Catholic education was in that, that it really was through my Catholic school teachers, my simple Catholic school textbook, that I fell in love with the church and fell in love with Christ. And that's really just guided a lot of my trajectory in life and where I am today. Um, so, yeah, so I... Went off to Notre Dame, I studied theology, and then the opportunity to join ACE as a teaching fellow came up and the thought of being able to give back to Catholic education to really step into the classroom and accompany people, little young people who were around the same age that I was whenever I fell in love with the faith and to share that joy with them um, was just such an exciting opportunity. And I'm so grateful for those years that I spent really working right in the trenches with the kids um, and sharing with them
1: what I found so beautiful about our faith. Yeah, and I hear I hear wonderful things about that that program. Um, so, what are some of the challenges that you found teaching theology? Yeah, I would say the biggest one. I, I
0: read a study earlier on in my teaching career about the age of disaffiliation for our kids in the Catholic faith and Christian faith in general. And the age is 13. Like 13 is normally the decision point at which they decide if they're going to stay in the church or if they're not. Uh, And as a middle school and high school teacher, that was just really compelling to me, right? Because we're right there with them in that moment where they're making that decision. And so much of this, you know, really is, you know, no pressure to elementary teachers, but those are the years that they're getting the foundations. And by the time they get to us at high school, a lot of them have made up their minds. Um, so I definitely saw that challenge of, of these students who were already kind of over it or already felt like the faith didn't have a lot to offer them. I would say the bigger the bigger challenge almost was um, just the fact that parents were struggling with their own faith lives, right? And so we talk so much in the church, and it's a beautiful teaching that parents are the primary catechist of their children, which is so true. But A lot of these parents don't feel like they're equipped to be those catechists and to be those educators i i'm thinking about uh parent teacher conferences and i learned pretty quickly that i needed to have a box of tissues on my desk because a lot of my and you're nodding your head like a lot of my parents would would end up crying in these theology parent conferences and it wasn't it was about their kids but it was also you know, a lot of their own spiritual angst and struggle with God that would come out in conversations with me, their, their students, their kids, theology teacher, um, where they would just pour out their hearts of like, I don't know how to pray to God. I don't know how to help my kid pray to God. I want this for them. I want to pass on the faith to my child. And I don't know how to. Um, and so that was always really compelling to me. And then I'm a parent now. I have a a little two-year-old, so he's a little young for a lot of uh, the prayers that we would teach him. But um, I've mentioned to a few other people at Hallow and in other ministries that I chat with, I've mentioned like, oh, as a convert, I don't really know what it looks like to raise a kid in the faith. Like I don't have a roadmap. And I've had so many people stop and look at me and say, I'm a cradle Catholic. I also don't have an image of what it looks like to raise my kids in the faith. And that has really been Shocking and eye-opening to me. I, I think we just somewhere along the way we've sort of lost that, that handing down of the faith. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the challenges. And then more pedagogically based, just the question of: Am I doing religious education? Am I doing catechesis? How much head knowledge should I be teaching? How much heart knowledge should I be teaching? Uh, And when I have a classroom full of kids who maybe aren't Catholic or not Christian, how do I balance those two things and evangelize while also recognizing the diversity of our Catholic school classrooms today?
1: Yeah, and I I completely understand where you're coming from. I remember having very similar conferences or conversations with parents, and and I, I think you're right. It's, you know, somewhere along the way between tradition and just this is what we do, versus actually helping to initiate that conversation of how to grow in our faith as a family. Um, So I think that there's a lot of conversations there. And often, there are times where families are scared to ask for that help, or ask for those resources. Um, And you're right, they are the primary educators, but who is supporting those families um, and what resources are available at the parish in order to support those families. I think those are really um, great challenges that schools need to work with their parishes on um, Mm -hmm. because it is a joint juncture when it comes to the faith. Absolutely. Um, So what, and you talked a little bit about disaffiliation and I know NCEA has really been looking at disaffiliation as well and how to support our schools. Um, but what do w- with what you are looking into? What do young people really want from the church, and how do we get them to stay?
0: Yeah, that's the the million dollar question. So I don't want to pretend I have like a prepackaged answer that we can just install into our parishes and it'll be golden. Um, I do think that our kids are hungry for spirituality. I think they don't always know how to articulate that hunger, um, and I, I've been struck so. I I try to avoid TikTok for a long time and then my students were all using it. And then I had a newborn and I was trapped nursing and cuddling him for many, many hours a day with very limited, you know, ability to use my hands. So I started scrolling TikTok a little. And what I was struck by, you know, seeing young people on this app was they're talking about like manifesting or astrology or just this like coming out of this app these these deep hungers for some kind of spirituality and they're inserting whatever they can kind of get their hands on um you know they i think they don't they don't see that hunger being met in the church because they haven't really been been introduced to a lot of the beauty of the faith they've had a very sort of surface level understanding sometimes or sometimes no understanding at all of what what is really in the theology and the faith of the church and so They've kind of just, you know, replaced it with whatever they can they can get to. Um, and the truth is that we as humans, like, we desire worship. We desire to praise. And in the absence of God, who is deserving of our praise, who is the center of our praise, we're going to put whatever we can, can get in there. And I think knowing that, knowing that kids are hungry for a spiritual life um, can kind of change how we as adults approach them. It's not... Um, It's not that they're not interested. They are interested. We just have to learn how to to help them understand that they can meet that hunger here in the church. That
1: was really beautifully said. (laughs) So thank you. Um, And this is going to bring me back to, you know, and even probably bring back up what you were just speaking about, which is how do we um, teach, you know, how do we teach this? How do we bring this up in our families? How do we You know, in my experience, how did I teach it to preschoolers? How are you going to teach it to your child? So, what, how do we teach prayer? How do we make it accessible to our students and make it a fun learning experience and engaging experience that is, you know, essentially feeding their heart?
0: Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head with saying, like, it's a learning experience and we're also getting at their hearts. And that, That was what I wrestled with, especially early on in my uh, years and my master's of education in ACE was, on the one hand, I was in English content classes, learning how to teach high school English. On the other hand, I was in theology content classes. And you learn, you know, as you're training to be a teacher, like, okay, you need a sweet bot, like students will be able to blank. And in theology, that just seemed impossible. Like, how do I... Like, is it like students will be able to have a deep, abiding relationship with the creator of the universe? Is that is that what I'm my object, objective is? And if that is, which I think it is, how do you assess that? Like, I think the, the assessment is St. Peter at the pearly gates, right? Like, I, I have no way of of measuring and quantifying someone's faith life. And yet, you know, as a theology teacher, you're kind of in the position of that is the goal. That's what we're reaching for. Um, yeah. So I, again, I don't have a a silver bullet or a golden answer. I think there's what I would say like three sort of foundational guiding ideas about how I think about teaching prayer to get kids. So the first one would be, I don't know if you've, um, kind of followed along with the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is kind of gaining popularity in the church. So, uh, Sophia Cavalletti, is kind of the creator of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And she really writes out of Maria Montessori's philosophy of how to teach children. And what I love so much about the Montessori tradition, and my son is in a Montessori daycare, so like we're all in on the Montessori. um, It just really this at heart, it's this trusting of the child and trusting the work of the child uh, and just giving them that space to explore. And I think, um, what Cavalletti really speaks to so well is this idea of respecting the existing relationship a child has with God when they enter your classroom, because every child who enters your classroom, no matter what their faith background, no matter what they've been exposed to so far, like they were made by the hands of God and they do have some existing relationship with him and to honor that and to, to not think that we are like imposing something on the child by introducing the faith, but just knowing that we are, Inviting them into something that's already in their hearts um, is such like a an important piece of how we how we think about religious education. Um so yeah, I would say that's kind of the first sort of foundational idea that I would have. The second one is just trusting that our faith is beautiful. Like it is so beautiful. And I I so often hear teachers or priests in their homilies sort of hedge on the beauty of the faith and be like, I mean, I know it's kind of weird, but like, it really is the body and blood of Jesus. It's like, it's not weird. It's beautiful. Um, or I remember so I did pre-Cana before getting married, as you know, you do in the church. And the person leading our pre-Cana workshop got up in front of the group and said, I know none of you want to be here today, so we'll just get this over with. And I was like crushed. I was ready for like, let's talk about the beauty of marriage. And they were like, yeah, I know none of you like it. So anyways, Um, so I think like also bringing that into the classroom of, well not bringing that into the classroom but bringing the opposite of that into the classroom of um, this is the beauty of the faith and I love the beauty of the faith. Um, One of my ACE professors always would quote, I think Wordsworth where it says, um, what we love others we will love and we will show them how. And so to walk in confidently into your classroom and trust in yourself that God is beautiful and is ready to meet us and to project that onto your students. And then the last sort of foundational piece, uh, I would say, is just leaving space for wonder and inviting kids into that wonder. So one of the things Cavalletti in Catechism of the Good Shepherd talks about is she will present the story of the Good Shepherd. And so often we as grownups are like, we want to get to the answers. We want to just like get to like the clear packaged end. So a lot of teachers are tempted to tell their students, okay, so in this story, Jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And Cavaletti would say, no, 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 no. There's a joy in discovering that. And so it is on us to leave space for kids to not get it right away. And then when they do realize that they are the sheep that the shepherd loves, they just light up with that joy. So part of that, again, goes back to trusting that the child is going to get there, that the Holy Spirit is going to do its work and going to make sure they get to it, Um, but to really just like leave that space. And so I think all of that together to say that my job in the classroom or my job at Hallow really is to present the beauty of the faith and then get out of the Holy Spirit's way and like trust that's going to um, kind of come into the equation.
1: Well, and I love that you, I love that you talk about the beauty of the faith because especially when they're getting up to middle school, high school, fourth, fifth grade, anywhere in there, the students will bring in the questioning. They'll bring in some of that negative. You have, you don't need to present it. and It's the same way when we're looking at you know, your marriage classes, when you're looking at RCIA, you have to present how beautiful this really is. And I think, in my own personal experience going through RCIA as an Mm -hmm. adult, it wasn't until getting to that Easter Vigil mass and realizing the beauty within that mass and the storytelling that really does happen in that mass, that I, you know, and, and truly it was a very cool experience with some of the, you know, some of the effects that they put into it just to represent the whole story. Um, but we have such unique features to our holy masses. And, you know, talking about those and talking about the passion and sharing your passion is what's going to encourage those students to share their own passions, but also try and engage with what they find interesting or beautiful about the faith themselves.
0: Yeah, and the Easter Vigil is such a beautiful example with like the candlelight and the darkness. And um, yeah, it just it, I just come back to the word wonder. Like we just need to, to cultivate a new, renewed sense of wonder. I don't think our culture is very good at that. I think we are in such a hurry to just get to the right answer. Um, and the more we can just hover in a space of wonder and the sacraments and our church buildings and the stained glass, all of it is built around that. Um, and we can just kind of lean into that and trust it.
1: Yeah, thank you. So, how how does Hallow fit into all of this? Now, I know we talked a little bit about our partnership, and I know you guys support NCA in a couple of different ways. But how can Hallow fit in to supporting our teachers with this, you know, really high level thought of how to engage our students with prayer?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I've talked about kind of the the foundational understandings of how we approach prayer in the classroom, and I think. There's also these sort of pedagogical pieces that are part of all disciplines, but I think sometimes we forget that they work just as well in a theology classroom as they do in English or math or science. Prayer is a relationship, but it's also a skill. So in the same way that, you know, I can do social emotional learning with my students and teach that as a skill, like I can teach prayer as a skill in the same way that I can learn how to better communicate in my marriage. I can better learn how to communicate in prayer. Um, I think sometimes we just get so caught up in like, well, it's a relationship. It's like, yes, it is 100%. But we also know how to help people grow in relationship. And so um, I'm thinking of sort of just the basics that teachers know in other disciplines. So um, when I would teach ninth grade English, I would teach ninth grade English and I would teach ninth grade theology. Uh, And so I would have the same students multiple times. So They would leave my classroom in first period English and they would write beautiful essays, like coherent, articulate, beautiful. They would come back to like fifth period religion class and suddenly they were not articulate. They were not writing clearly. And I was like, I'm your English teacher too. Like I know you know this. Um, But somehow there's like like a hang up about doing that same sort of intellectual, articulate, coherent work within the theology classroom. And I
1: would almost say a lot of what what I saw as an eighth grade teacher is it's almost a- anxiety or a fear of sharing. Uh, it's not that they can't do it. It's that they're opening a personal part of themselves that they're not accustomed to examining. And I think that that made religion, and so I can relate to this, because that made religious reflection, (laughs) really difficult. (laughs) Yes,
0: a hundred percent. And I remember just being so baffled at first because I was like, you wrote an amazing five-page essay and now you're sitting here and and clamming up really to what you're saying is they just kind of get stuck in themselves. Um, So the more I could apply the pedagogy I knew from English classes to the theology classes, the more it felt like students were like, oh, okay. Um, So, you know, things that we do at Hallow that kind of Um, take those pedagogical tools that we know work. Um, One of them is just differentiation. I know it's like the favorite word in the classroom these days, but when we differentiate for readiness and for interest, we know that students are going to do better. And so on Hallow, you have access to, if you want to pray athlete prayers with Drew Holiday and think about basketball when you pray, that's one thing. If you want to Go all in on the feminine genius with Lisa Cotter. You can do that. And so it really is a tool where um, you're able to give students both that differentiation and to um, help them if they need more help with prayer, accessing that part of their souls and their brains. Um, So, yeah, to give them that that differentiation. And also, we know that student choice really increases intrinsic motivation. And so to give them a tool that says, hey, we're going to pray as a class, but I'm going to let you choose how you do that and give you some ownership of your faith life. I know that students find that attractive and I know that it's effective as a tool in the classroom. Um, the other sort of pedagogical tool, again, very simple, very basic, we know it works, is that idea of gradual release of like I do, we do, you do. And a lot of the Hello Children's content is really built around that. So, you know, if you're a grown up and you know how to pray Lectio Divina, you probably don't need a lot of guidance to read scripture, to find a thing that stands out to you, to reflect on it, meditate, contemplate. It's pretty basic. But if you're a student who doesn't know what that looks like or what that means, we have our, our voice guide on Hello. Her name is Emma. She's also an a former ace teacher. She's a wonderful elementary teacher today. Um, but she walks kids through that sort of scaffolding of, okay, so we listened to this passage. I'm going to tell you what stood out to me. So I'm struck by the fact that Jesus wept and that makes me think about when I got left out in gym class. And so really modeling that in sort of a think aloud process that then slowly we give more and more of that away to the the kids to do themselves. But if you need that scaffolding, if you need that help, and I mean, sometimes us grownups need that help too, right? Um, That sort of part and built into how we do the prayers for kids at Hallow. So yeah, we've got a lot of really great content aimed both for parents as a tool, for teachers as a tool, recognizing that they're going to be the ones um, mediating a lot of this content to kids and teens, but then also a lot just geared at that idea of scaffolding and of um, differentiating for what students really need.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. I also want to give a quick little plug here because you guys just released a blog on, I believe it's 10 steps or 10 ways to teach prayer, children prayer. Um, and it might have been by the same person that you were just speaking about, but it is available on our, on our website as well at NCEA talk. Um, I believe it's NCEA talk, but it's our um, educational blog and it was a really great read. So,
0: um, yeah. And I would say, you know, a lot of the hallow story really comes out of the So our our founder, Alex, um, went to Catholic school his whole life and walked away not believing, you know, really atheistic in his beliefs. And he didn't know how to pray. Um, And that's no, you know, no shade to Catholic schools for that. Like, that's just a reality of like, we've struggled with that for a long time. And I know when Alex did start to discover prayer, that was sort of what led to the the founding of Hallow, of wanting to share like, oh, my gosh. I never knew you could pray like this and I want to share it with people. And so it's been really cool to branch out that content into more um, content for children, for teens, for people currently in Catholic schools to say like, prayer is so expansive and there are so many ways to do it. And we, that's what we specialize in here at Hallow. We know how to teach people how to pray. And we um, just want so much to share that with the world and with teachers and parents who, could use an extra tool, an extra way of really helping their students engage um, with the person of Christ, which is really what we're, we're all about.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. Was there anything else that you wanted to share um, with our membership uh, prior to us signing off and doing our lovely little thank yous? Yeah, I would say just uh, all NCA members get
0: special discounts and access to Hallow. So definitely follow the link that um, Jessica mentioned earlier in our conversation um, to get access to those discounts to even if you want to bring Hallow to your school. So we have packages for faculty, staff and students so you can make your school into really a a culture of prayer and a place of prayer. uh, And we just
1: we'd love to accompany you all on that journey. As she just mentioned, that website is hallo.com backslash hallo-4-NCEA. Um, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, you can find more about hallo at Um and it's also linked on our NCA website, as well as utilized for resources with NCA Rise, our assessment platform. Thank you, Ashley, so much. Thank you so much for your time. This has been just such a joyful part of my day. Yes, it was absolutely wonderful. And um, I always love talking to teachers and former educators about prayer. I think it's such an important thing for us to keep that conversation going. Definitely. Thank you.